It's time to do something. Sox for the win. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Unbelievable. Classic basketball game. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we'll be looking at some of the new AP poll that just dropped, some of the interesting college basketball storylines of this past opening week, some college games to watch out for this upcoming week, my week five NBA power rankings, and later on Kyle Russo, Review and Preview's very own, will join the show to talk Warriors, Wizards, new rule changes, and more. So you can also follow at the 3 and D on Twitter and stay updated with breaking news around the leagues and news on episodes and uploads. So I chose chose a horrible day to wear the Sabonis jersey. Uh, Pacers are wearing, playing the Knicks tonight, but um, thought I'd throw this one on. I debuted once last season and definitely didn't um, did, haven't shown it at all this year yet. So wanted to debut it you know it got the Lillard it got the Mitchell um I really like a lot of the 75th anniversary jerseys that's going to have to be a segment coming up soon for the 3 and D is ranking some of the 75th anniversary jerseys because they're a lot of them are really sick I really like them I like the Rockets a lot I like the Raptors I like how they're doing all the throwback additions the New York Knicks ones just dropped today I would have loved to try to get one but uh, they sold out almost instantly. I know quickly sold out within seconds. Uh, I would love a quickly jersey. I just got a top in jersey. Shout out to my brother Nick for that one. But it's, um, the Knicks ones look really sick. They're black and they got the curved New York, which is like the early 2000s style. I really, really like that. Speaking of New York, we got Hank and Dichter in the comments of review and preview. Bing bong. What's good, Paul? Uh, bing bong to you too, Hank. Our war cry right there, bing bong. I absolutely love it. Some some are going to think it's corny, but you know that's that's the Knicks way right now. We they've been struggling a little bit, but you know we can get we'll get into them a little bit later. First off, we'll jump into the new AP poll. So week one of the college basketball season is officially in the books. We're into week two. A week from tomorrow, a week week ago from tomorrow will be will have been the first day of college basketball so we're almost a full week into the season and new AP poll came out and been very few changes very obviously with the, you know most of the teams playing by games 
You're not going to see very many changes. The top three teams remain the same. Gonzaga remains at number one. UCLA is two. Kansas is three. They both started off 2-0 and to start the season. Um, all three of them did. And then Michigan jumped. Another interesting one was Michigan jumped from six to four. Um, Texas fell from five to eight after losing to Gonzaga. I'll tell you what, that Gonzaga versus Texas game was incredible. Drew Timmy, unbelievable. I think that it's Gonzaga... I was on I was on record all last season on the show saying how this is the best Gonzaga team I've ever seen. I think that they're even more deeper than they were last year. I really do. You got you got Hunter Salas, who is a top twenty recruit who doesn't even play. Anton Watson looks so much better. Andrew Nemhard came back um, and is looking great again. Drew Timmy is the best player in college basketball, undebated. Right, right now, and Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren doesn't even take over the game that much. You know, he just he's kind of like a role player right now. He's a, a great passer, seven foot point guard basically, who can do a little bit of everything. But I love the way that Gonzaga looks, and they absolutely dominated Texas um, in their matchup. Texas is going to have a good year. They're definitely going to have a good year, but I think that. Uh, they got they need some time to mesh a little bit. Marcus Carr um, and a couple of a uh, couple of other te- other players on that team um, need to step up a little bit more. Uh, you know, if you got first year head coach Chris Beard, for, who was long time at Texas Tech, so I think Texas will be good, but kind of you know an interesting one for for them to have to play in the first week, you know, Marcus Carr having been playing at Minnesota for uh, his entire basketball career. And now, you know, jumping over to Texas and then has to face Gonzaga, big difference, big difference. And then a couple of other interesting things, Kentucky, Kentucky fell from 10 to 13 after losing to Duke. Um, Not really too much of a surprise, only fell three points because Duke was obviously a tough game. That was, that may have been, the game of the week right there, Kentucky versus Duke. That was, I absolutely love that. And then Florida and USC both joined the top 25. They were unranked in week one and Florida joined at number 24 and USC joined at 25. USC is good again this year. Um, They lost Evan Mobley, but they're looking solid. Isaiah Mobley is a good player. Um, I think USC is putting together a pretty solid squad. And got a couple more comments. My dad, great job watching from Fort Myers, Florida. Greetings from Florida. Um, Got my brother Nick. Kentucky Duke was a great game. Duke surprised me a little. They are really tough. That's facts. That is definitely true. Kentucky Duke. um, I think both teams played amazing in that game. And I think that Duke is really talented. I think that Duke, it may be the strongest team in college basketball with, you got Theo John, Paolo Banchero. Um, and speaking of Banchero, we got Tom Scavetta reviewing Purdue's own Banchero, especially he's silly, he's definitely special. And I would not be surprised if he's the number one pick in this, this upcoming year's draft as of right now, if I, if I were to make it to way too early mock draft, which I usually don't, I usually wait um, until like a month or two into the college basketball season before I start putting together my big boards and all that kind of stuff. But if I were to do a way, way too early uh, mock draft, I saw that ESPN always puts them out, but I'd have Banchero going number one right now because I think Banchero it has a legitimate shot of being player of the year up there with um with the Drew Timmy. That's going to be um going to be a very 
uh, interesting battle between those two. I think those are two extremely talented players. But back to Kentucky versus Duke, that was an amazing game. Um, I think that Kentucky, they lost C.J. Frederick, Frederick for the season, but they their transfer moves were is what is going to keep them dominant this year. Oscar Shebway has been amazing. Uh, grabbed 20 boards the other night against uh, um, Mount St. Mary's, I believe it was, um, in the second, or uh, Robert Morris. It actually was in the second game of the season. He grabbed 20 boards. Uh, Kellen Grady, the transfer from Davidson, has been great. Uh, Severe Wheeler, the transfer from Georgia, has been great. They're, they've got a talented squad, and same with Duke. And I feel like if Kentucky-Duke matched up later in the season, um, it could really go either way. Duke is just had a little bit more firepower this uh, this time. Kentucky's got to get into a rhythm, but when they do get into a rhythm, it's going to be – it's going to be interesting. And then Gonzaga is the team to beat, but don't sleep on my Johnnies. That's facts. Um, St. John's, you know, that's my dad. That's exact. That's where I get the, the St. John's, um, my St. John's fandom from right there. But I think that St. John's is a sneaky team too. I've got them in my games to watch and we'll come up to them in a couple. So jumping over from the AP poll, We'll check out some of the matchups of the week. So there's going to be a, a few interesting games that you got to watch out for this week. Um, obviously, as we were saying before, it's the bye week. Um, the first two weeks, first three weeks are usually bye weeks for all the top teams. You got, you know, the lower down divisions taking on the top uh, powerhouses. So there aren't as many enticing games. But the fact that we got uh, Villanova versus UCLA, Duke versus Kentucky, Gonzaga versus Texas, all in the first week of the season was a pretty special gift. That was pretty amazing. I was shocked when I looked at the schedule for the first time and saw all of those teams were lining up against each other in week one, but there are going to be some interesting games this upcoming week. That'll be cool to watch out for. The first one will be Virginia at number 15, Houston, Virginia unranked. They're one and one right now. They lost, they infamously lost a bye game this past week to Navy um, on opening nights, obviously should have been, should be two and zero. They beat Radford on Friday, but a, not a great, not a great look for Virginia. They'll be looking to bounce back from that. Houston, who's coming off of their deep run in the tournament last year, they're two and zero. They beat Hofstra and Rice in their first two games of the season. Marcus Sasser is averaging twenty five and a half points per game for Houston. He's playing great. He averaged he scored twenty five points in game one and twenty six points in the second game. So he's doing great. And they beat Hofstra in overtime in the opening night. So I think that this will be an interesting one. This is tomorrow night, Tuesday night at eight o'clock. Um, Virginia versus number 15, Houston going to be a very, uh, very good battle, I think. And then next one, we got Seton Hall at number four, Michigan. A lot of people are giving Seton Hall a lot of credit this year, a lot of hype. You know, you got Jared Roden, but I, I, for one, am not a, a am not a huge buyer yet on Seton Hall. I think that, you know, losing Mama Kielashvili was huge, but it's, I they did bring in some transfers. But I do think a lot of people have Seton Hall ranked ahead of St. John's um, in the Big East. I don't necessarily think that that is accurate or should be the case whatsoever. But I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup against number four Michigan. They can really prove themselves in this one. They're two and zero. They beat Fairleigh Dickinson 
uh, to start the season. Then Michigan is also 2-0. They jumped from number six in the preseason rank to number four. They beat Buffalo in Prairie View A&M this past week, two games that they obviously had to win. And Hunter Dickinson through the first two games is averaging 19 points and eight boards. So he's looking great as always, but this will be Michigan's first test and will also be Seton Hall's first test. So I'm very interested to see um, how this one's going to play out. And then another interesting one on Wednesday night at nine, we got St. John's at Indiana. So had to throw the Johnnies in there. Johnnies are 2-0. Indiana is also 2-0. St. John's beat Mississippi Valley State and St. Peter's by a combined 79 points this past week. They were red hot. They're shooting 48.1% from three from the field. Um, 48.1% from three through two games, I should say. That really didn't make much sense from three from the field, but ignore that. But 48.1% from three. Uh, St. John's has looked sharp. You know, they played Mississippi Valley State in St. Peter's. This is going to be an interesting one. You got Mike Woodson out there in Indiana, first-year head coach, former Indiana Hoosier himself, former Knicks head coach, former Knicks assistant last year. Um, going to have a lot of New York ties in this St. John's versus Indiana game. I really, I'm really excited about that. And this is going to be a big test for the Johnnies. Uh, to see what they're made of. And Indiana, too. They're 2-0. and They beat Eastern Michigan in a very close game, uh, first game of the season. They almost lost a bye game. They they beat Eastern Michigan in a very close one and Northern Illinois. So they're 2-0. and Trace Jackson Davis is averaging 20 points and 10.5 rebounds so far. Um through two games. So that's gonna be that's gonna be an interesting matchup right there. Trace Jackson Davis and uh Justin Champagne. Um Julian Champagne, I should say. Justin Champagne is uh on the Toronto Raptors now. He would play for Pittsburgh last last year, his brother, but Julian Champagne who's the star of St. John's and Trace Jackson Davis, who is the star of Indiana. I think that that's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, Jackson Davis will probably be more lined up with Joel Soriano because they're two big men, but I think that it's going to be a good game. And my only, that's my only game on the list of two teams that are unranked. And now we'll jump over to the weekend. There are only two, two good game, two notable games on Tuesday, one notable game Wednesday. And then we got two notable games on Saturday. The first one Saturday at one o'clock Villanova has another top 25 matchup. They played UCLA this past week and lost. Now they're matching up against number 17, Tennessee Saturday at one o'clock Villanova is one and one to start the season. They beat Mount St. Mary's, which was one of their bye games, but they lost to UCLA, which was um, a tough matchup. And they, they they are lined up to play Howard early in the week, so they should be 2-1 and one headed into this game against Tennessee. Justin Moore and Jermaine Samuels are both their leading scorers uh, in the preseason, probably two of their three best players, along with Colin Gillespie. So they're, they're doing great so far. Villanova looking to... Uh, Try to go three and one and get a nice top twenty-five win, and not blow two top twenty-five games to start the season. And to Tennessee, on the other hand, is two and zero. Oh. They beat UC Martin. They beat East Tennessee State. So they beat two bye games, and they're off for the entire week until uh, Villanova. They beat Eastern Tennessee State yesterday, and they don't play again until this game on Saturday. So they have six days off to prepare for number five Villanova, which is going to be an interesting one, and it's in Tennessee. So 
you know, the, uh, the Volunteers going to make it going to make a very interesting game. Villanova has only one game this week. Beforehand, they're taking on HBCU Howard, um, where Mercure Maker was playing last year. But that'll be an interesting game. I think it go definitely can go either way. I'm very enticed by Tennessee having six days off to and playing at home to prepare for that game. So Tennessee loves to play spoiler too. I don't think Tennessee's a very deep team this year, as they were not nearly as deep as they were last year, but I think they're they're still poised to make some noise. And then the last game on the list. Saturday at four o'clock, we got number eighteen UNC taking on number six Purdue. Um, a nice ACC Big Ten matchup right there. Um, I think that this is going to be a very interesting game. I think that Purdue is getting a ton of hype, and they're going to. I'm very. Purdue is very, very hyped to start the season, and I'm very interested to see how they play against these kind of big teams. UNC isn't that deep this year. Um, they brought Armando Baycott back. They brought, they brought Caleb Love back. Uh, Brady Manick is came in as a transfer, but they're not nearly as deep as a usual top 10 UNC team is that we became accustomed to. Um, they are 2-0 to start the season, though. They beat Loyola and Brown, so they're 2-0 to begin the, the Hubert Davis era. And they ha- they're taking on Charleston on Tuesday, so they should be 3-0 headed into the weekend. And Purdue is 2-0. They beat Bellarmine and Indiana State, and they take on Wright State on Tuesday. So it should be two 3-0 and teams uh, taking on each other come sun- Saturday afternoon at 4. Uh, Purdue is, has had a couple of guys who have played amazing. Jaden Ivey, who has established himself as one of the better players in college basketball, averaging 19 points, 6.5 boards, 3.5 assists, and two steals through two games. Um, I saw a, a top 10 ranking, actually. By, from an analyst on CBS Sports. They have Jaden Ivey, seventh, seventh best player, I think, in college basketball, something like that. He's good. And, you know, going. there's a reason why Purdue was so hyped to uh, heading into this season. You got Travion Williams, you got Jaden Ivey, and you got this guy, Zach Eady, too, the 7'4 sophomore center who did not get much playing time last year. He was a little bit awkward. Um was trying to get his feet underneath him, but he's averaging 19 points and nine and a half boards per game through his first two games. He is now the big man for the team. He's seven foot four. So a big guy to watch out for. So I think that Zach Eady and Jaden Ivey are going to make things interesting. I think UNC is going to have to come with a tough game plan. And I think if Ivy and Williams are both clicking, <clears throat> Purdue could easily be as dominant as the top 10 ranking that they were in the preseason they're ranked six this week um i think that they're they could be just as good as people expected them to be and now jumping over for that's enough college basketball for there hasn't been too much going on you know the first week of the season just just got underway we're going to be starting week two now um most of them are just by games so not too much to report, so we'll jump back over to the NBA. And first thing we'll do, we'll jump into my Week 5 NBA Power Rankings. Yep, it is the fifth week of the NBA season. but feels like it just started the other day, but it is Week 5. And my Power Rankings are a little bit different this week. I haven't. We're going to be going through the Wizards and Warriors 
um, in a few when Kyle Russo joins the show, talk, get his opinion on both of those teams and if they're actually dominant, if they're actually legit. But I haven't had the Wizards in my in my uh, power rankings yet, so I decided to give them some love. They're ranked at number five this week, the Washington Wizards. They're 9-3. and three. Um, Kuzma's been playing great. Bradley Beal's been playing great. Montrez Harrell is looking like the old Montrez Harrell before, back when he was on the Clippers. Uh, the Wizards have been clicking big time. They got uh, tonight. They got the New Orleans Pelicans at home. Then Wednesday night, they're in Charlotte to take on the Hornets. And the Hornets have been playing spoiler. They just beat the Knicks and they beat the Warriors the other night. So the Hornets are a sneaky little team that they got to watch out for. Then Thursday night, they're in Miami. Saturday night, they're at home against Miami. And Miami has lost four straight and fell out of my number one. They were my number one ranked team last week, and now they're out of my top five. They lost four straight this past week, so I could not show them very much love going into the going into this week. I know Kyle Roos is probably going to be ashamed of that because he's a Miami Heat fan, but um, I think that it's going to be an it's going to be an interesting one um, with uh, the Heat versus the Wizards. And it's also back-to-back nights. Um, it's you got Thursday night in Miami, and you got Saturday night at home against Miami. So the Wizards are my number five team, and then number four I got the Chicago Bulls. Had to show the Bulls a little bit more love. They're nine and four. Um, they got the Lakers tonight in LA. They're on a West Coast road trip this week. Then they're taking on Portland in Portland on Wednesday, and then they're in Denver to take on the Nuggets on Friday, and then they come home to take on the New York Knicks Sunday in Chicago. So that's going to be a very interesting one. Um, The Knicks beat them in a very, very close battle last time they played. So I'm extremely interested to see uh, what's going to happen with, um, with the Knicks versus Bulls. That's, that's honestly one of my games to watch for this upcoming slate for the NBA week. Um, The Knicks versus Bulls is always, prime time whenever uh the two teams are good and i'm excited to see that on sunday i think that it's it's going to be in chicago and i think that it's going to be definitely going to be a really good game the bulls are going to be out for some revenge because the bulls lost a close one last time and it, it's going to be tough the knicks are struggling a little bit too they got to take care of business tonight against the pacers so hopefully they get that done but and then number three we got the phoenix suns at nine and three i haven't shown the suns too much love this year the reigning western conference champs but Oh, pretty much for good reason. They start off the season one and three, and now they're nine and three. They've won eight straight games, mostly led by Chris Paul, who's averaged 15 and 10 over these past eight games. Um, he seems to just get better with age, an ultimate all-star. They got a pretty easy, fairly easy week uh, upcoming. They're playing tonight, Monday, at Minnesota, then Wednesday at home against Dallas, Friday again at home against Dallas. So they got back-to-back games in Phoenix against Dallas Wednesday and Friday night. And then Sunday, they're taking on the Denver Nuggets at home. So they got three straight home games this week. They have a somewhat easy schedule this week, three of their four home games, and their only away game is in Minnesota. So I got Phoenix Suns ranked at number three. And then number two, I got the Brooklyn Nets. Nets are 10-4, and start the season. Um, you know, storyline has been Harden's been struggling a little bit. Kevin Durant has been amazing as always. They've been getting a lot of help from their supporting cast, their deep supporting cast, Marcus Aldridge, Bruce Brown, 
uh, Paul Millsap. They've all been playing great coming off the bench. Joe Harris. Um, so those are, those have been the big storylines for the Nets. They're 10 and four. Now they got a pretty light workload this week. They only have three games. They are off tonight. They're taking it on golden state in Brooklyn on Tuesday. They're home all week too. Then Wednesday they're at home against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then Friday they're at home against the Orlando magic. So all three games are in Brooklyn this week and it's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday and then off on Saturday and Sunday. So they got a pretty easy workload. They've played one of them. The, they played the most games in the NBA. I believe they played 14 games. I don't think anybody's played more than 14. Um, everybody else on this list either played 12 or 13. So they, so they were due for a little bit of a light workload. And then number one, we got the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors have to be number one. They're 11-2. Tuesday, they're taking on the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn, as we just went over. That's going to be an interesting one. My one versus two, that's going to be on TNT tomorrow night. That's going to be a big game, Warriors versus Nets, to see what they're made of. But the Warriors have to be number one. They've been red hot this season. Steph Curry looks like his looks even better than his old MVP self. And we'll go over that in a few when Kyle joins the show. But then the Warriors will take on Thursday night. They'll be in Cleveland Friday night. They'll be in Detroit. And then Sunday, they'll be at home against the Toronto Raptors. So they got three away games and then uh, finally a home game on Sunday nights. Not against the greatest of teams, but still a pretty heavy workload uh, coming off of a tough loss to the Charlotte Hornets. They were 11-1 and going into last night, and they lost to Charlotte. So... Those are my top five, the Warriors at number one, the Nets at number two, the Suns at three, the Bulls at four, and the Wizards at five. So it's been a pretty interesting start to the NBA season for sure. You know, with the Wizards on top, we got the Cavs have had a great season, and it's definitely it's definitely been really interesting um, how some of the stuff has play, played out. You know, the Suns start off one and three. They've now won eight straight, and – I think that it's just going to get even more. It's going to get more and more interesting, especially with the whole storyline with the Lakers too. You know, with LeBron out, um, I don't see the the Lakers being as dominant this year either. It's it, you know, Miami Heat were looking red hot and they blew a few games this past week, but I still think that they're pretty good. Um, that they're going to have to be a team to watch out for. So it, there's going to be there's going to be some interesting things that happen for sure, and. Now jumping over, we'll bring on our guest, Kyle Russo of Review and Preview here. Kyle, what's up, man? How are you, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Paul. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Doing good. You know, just watching some basketball, college basketball tipping off. You know, your heat are looking pretty good. What do you, what do you think about them? I'm pretty excited about them so far this season. Uh, I've seen a lot of things that I've liked. I've seen a lot of things that I haven't liked. Uh, I, I've been backstage a little bit. I heard you talking about them briefly. They did blow a couple games this past weekend to the Lakers and the Clippers, which I would love to have those games back. But they, against the Clippers, they didn't have Jimmy Butler. They lost Jimmy Butler against the Lakers. And I think if they would have had him, his presence there would have would have been felt and they would have won that game, both those games. Um, Duncan Robinson. Needs to get more consistent shooting the three ball. Has not looked good whatsoever so far this season. Just paid him $90 million this past offseason. That needs to uh, that needs to show truth back to what yeah. he's been doing the past previous two years. And Kyle Lowry as well. He needs to kind of find his 
uh, offensive game a little bit. The defense has been dominant, but the offense has been lacking. But otherwise, this team has been fantastic. I think Tyler Hero made a, a huge statement in the beginning of the season saying that his name needs to be talked about in the likes of Luca and Ja and, and Trey, and he's playing just like that. I, I would say if the season was to end today, and I know it's a small sample size, he's the sixth man of the year in my personal opinion. No, I agree with that. And I think that there was a big chip on his shoulder, too, with the amazing way that he played in the bubble. And he had a little bit of a letdown last year. You know, a lot of people trying to create these off-the-court issues and all that kind of stuff that's, you know, was going on with him. Nothing really serious, but kind of like, you know, his head not being in the game, all that kind of stuff. And he's bounced back and has played amazing to start the season. And he's an extremely talented player. I think that he's going to be a great player for a long time. And he's going to be in the conversation with the likes of jaw and those kind of guys uh, for sure. And I think that, you know, the bulls, they, I mean, the heat, they blew a few games this week, but you know, Jimmy Butler, as you said, we was out, you know, Duncan Robinson, they just paid um, big money too. Got to get him going a little bit, Kyle Lowry. But I think that you know, once they start to get going, it's going to be they're they're going to be able to compete with the the top teams in the East. I really think so because I think that they're that deep. I think Jimmy Butler too. Um, just his entire presence, um, and we've been seeing it throughout his entire time with the Heat. Is just he just has a winning mentality. He. And same with Kyle Lowry too. They, yeah. I think that I think there are two. I I really liked when they the sign trade for Lowry because I thought that that's a great matchup to have to play alongside Jimmy Butler. And you know you got Bam there too. And I I think that the Heat's are are looking really good. Yeah, I do too. I, I think that they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. I think they made a lot of great offseason uh, additions and re-signed some key pieces. I think Duncan. We'll get back to that three point. Uh, shooting stance in which he played with the previous two years. I think that I hope that Tyler continues this play up, but he's playing arguably even better than he did in his rookie season. Kyle Lowry will get his offensive game there. And on the defensive side of things, Paul, the things that I've liked tremendously is PJ Tucker, I think has quietly been one of the best offseason acquisitions. Again, he's not a guy that's going to give you a full sheet of stats that are going to blow your mind, but defensively he just, he just gets in opponent's heads, and he just takes over a game defensively, which I have personally loved. Uh, a lot of people forget, and obviously so, because when he was traded to the Heat from the Houston Rockets at the deadline last year, he only played about four games with the Miami Heat. But Victor Oladipo will be coming back to this team at some point, probably around December and uh, in January. So the combination of Tyler and Victor Oladipo off the bench I think is going to be huge as well offensively. So this team still has a lot of uh, places to grow, obviously. It's, it's just the beginning of the season. But I think when we start talking down to, to April and May, I think the Heat are going to be in the conversation of teams that we see in the Easter Conference uh, Championship. Oh, for sure. And I think the Oladipo was a good point, too, because a lot of people forget that he's coming back. I, I'll be completely honest. I tend to forget that the Heat even have him, too. Um, you know, he's missed a lot of time, but he's an extremely talented player. And I'll tell you what, the Milwaukee Bucks do not win that NBA finals last year. If they did not trade for Jimmy, for, uh, PJ Tucker. Absolutely. That, absolutely not. And I think that that was a tremendous addition for, um, for the heat. I think that he, his presence on defense is just, is a complete difference maker. He's a nuisance. He, you can guard every single position to at an elite level. Um, I, 
I think that I think that he's an all around tremendous ad and, you know, can help kind of level out the team too. You got a ton of scores all around the team too. You got Duncan Robinson, you got Jimmy Butler, all and Jimmy Butler is a tremendous defender um, in his own right. But I think that's, uh, PJ Tucker was a difference maker for the Bucks, and I think that see, he can very well be a difference maker too for the Heat. Yep, I think he will too. I think he will too. I hope that he brings that uh, that championship pedigree, that defensive mentality, and so far that this season we've seen that we have uh, night in and night out for sure. And so jumping over, um, one of the questions I got to ask. The Warriors and Wizards are both red hot this season. Warriors starting off 11 and 2, Steph Curry on an MVP, uh, kind of having an MVP season, honestly, putting up better numbers than his previous MVP seasons, in my opinion, averaging 28 points, 6.7 assists, 6.2 rebounds, 1.7 steals. Jordan Poole's breaking out with 17.2 points. Draymond's being Draymond, you know, averaging 8, 8, and 7. Uh, as he normally does. The Warriors are just clicking on all levels. Gary Payton coming off the bench, Otto Porter coming off the bench, Andre Iguodala, they're all glue pieces that have looked great. What are your thoughts on the Warriors, and do you think that they're a legitimate contender to make it back to the NBA Finals? I think without a doubt, Paul. Uh, I think without a doubt, I don't even think it's a question. Uh, I think uh, the, the question that should be posed in this stance right now is, who's beating the Warriors in the finals yeah. because that's the way that they're playing right now. There are two losses this season. Cause I believe they're 11 and two. I know they just lost yeah. to Charlotte the other night. They had a loss earlier in the season to the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. So between their two losses this season, they have one overtime loss to the Grizzlies by three points. And they have one loss to the Charlotte Hornets by four points in which the golden state warriors only made nine, three pointers shooting 22% from the three point line. That's not going to happen ever. You'll you'll see that yeah. far and few. Steph Curry, we know himself, is capable of making nine three-pointers for the Golden State Warriors, let alone the entire team making nine three-pointers in a basketball game. And then you consider the fact that they got guys like Jordan Poole. You brought up Damian Lee is, is developing to a great player off the bench, averaging around 14 points per game, I believe. Draymond Green is looking back to that defensive caliber stance, kind of finding his role. Andrew Wiggins now in his second year with the Warriors is looking tremendous. Steph, Steph is Steph, MVP level. But then put in this, uh, put this into consideration. You don't even have James Wiseman yet, who I think a lot yep. of people would say is an upgrade uh, athletically over Kevon Looney, and I think has obviously a higher ceiling than Kevon Looney, who's playing the five right now. And then obviously Clay Thompson back. I, I mean, you have those, you have Clay Thompson and Steph Curry back on the court. We saw what they did last time; they were both on the court together. Yep. I, I just don't know a formula to stop that. Again, people don't know what kind of clay you're going to get back. But if you get a, a 70% of what Clay Thompson was, again, his game transitioning back into the NBA should be one of the easier transitions because he's not, he's a, he was a great two way, he was a pretty good two way player. I'll give him that. But at the same point in time, he's a perimeter shooter. This isn't a guy that you have to rely on for defense. This isn't a guy that you have to rely on to create his own shot or drive the lane. This guy could stand on the perimeter for a little bit, find his hot streak, and get back into the form of basketball because he has not played in almost two years. Yeah, exactly. So combined with Steph Curry shooting from behind the three-point line, I mean, tell me a team, Paul, that's stopping that. No, that's that's exactly it. And that's the best point, too, is that Wiseman and Clay are both not even back yet. Yeah, that's that's the thing that a lot of people don't even remember. They're red hot like this. And you're also two of their their two lottery picks too. Jonathan Kuminga and Moses Moody don't even play that much. You know, they have so much depth in 
in their bench. It's amazing the kind of uh, development that they've gotten out of Damian Lee and Gary Payton the second, you know, guys who were kind of like rejects around the league and kind of played in the G League for a little bit, um, who have been playing great off the bench for them. And they they just overall have a nice team. Uh, everybody meshes well. And, you know, you got Steph Curry, Draymond, and when Clay Thompson comes back with that winning mentality too, Steph is playing some of the best basketball I've ever seen him play because not only is he as dominant of a shooter as he's ever been, which he, which obviously we all know he is, he's a, he's playing some of the smartest basketball too. I think that he's running, he's uh, controlling the pace tremendously. He's getting everybody involved. He's being the key playmaker and he's really taken that 33 year old uh, veteran mindset and he's kind of you know he doesn't have kevin durant beside him you know overshot overshadowing him or anything like that he doesn't have you know anything crazy going on he's got this is his team and he knows it's his team you know you got you had those rumors all over the place that you know he was going to become a free agent can would he go sign with the lakers and team up with lebron and stuff and then he re-ups and stays with the warriors which i absolutely love because that's his team and you know if he's going to make it back he's going to make it back on his terms and we got a comment. Warriors going to be so tough when Clay and Wiseman come back. Absolutely, absolutely. That's you know I think the Warriors they they're the favorite in the West, and they might be the favorite in the entire league for sure. I I don't see anybody really topping them right now. No, neither do I. And I think that when we look at this team from top to bottom, they kind of have that similar feel to the. I guess you'd say the semi-dynasty teams back when it first started in 2015, right? You yeah. essentially had the core together of uh, of a Draymond, a Steph. You're going to have a Clay back. Uh, Wiseman is sort of a Bogut, who I think has potential to be better than yeah. Bogut. Uh, and then you kind of have that Harrison Barnes and Andrew Wiggins, who's like a solid role player but can still be consistent night in, night out, and give you offensive production. And then you have a combination of decent players off the bench. We remember those teams with – uh, Barbosa and David yep. Lee and, and Iguodala. And now you brought Iguodala back and now you have Otto, uh, Otto, Porter, uh, Otto Porter Jr. And then you have guys like Damian Lee and Jordan Poole and the list goes on and on. And, and two rookies, Paul, that you, that you touched on as well, have so much untapped potential who we're going to be talking about in March when they really start playing them in April when they really start playing them and saying, wow, no, the seventh pick and the 14th overall pick and Moses Moody and Jonathan Kamingo, m- my goodness. Like, like these, these are the type of things that, that make me question and say to myself, well, this is a, this reminds me exactly of those teams just five, six years ago. And those teams couldn't be stopped. The only thing that got in the way of those teams uh, are injuries in themselves. That's it. So who essentially is stopping that team? I think that's a question that has yet to be answered. I think the only thing capable of stopping this team would be if Kyrie Irving comes back to Brooklyn. I think that's the only thing that will stop this team. Otherwise, I don't think any team is capable of beating the Golden State Warriors if Klay Thompson comes back healthy, and same with Wiseman. I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, with the Nets, the Nets are a dominant team, but without Kyrie, they're, you know, they're interesting. James Harden has not had the had a James Harden-like year. Kevin Durant's obviously Kevin Durant, but the Warriors are just in a different mode right now. And yeah. I think that they're... I think they're going to they're going to roll through it. I and I'm I'm excited to uh watch tomorrow night's game too. Warriors versus Nets. I think that's going to be really good. That's going to be 
a very deciding a very deciding game to see what the Nets are all about. I think the Nets that could be a big statement win if they were to somehow knock that off. So the jumping over to the Wizards now. Now obviously the Warriors and Wizards two completely different teams. Warriors have a long history of winning over the past decade. Wizards not so much, but the Wizards have been nice this year. They've been 9-3 and three to start the season. Bradley Beal not averaging 33 points like he did last year, but he's averaging 23 points, 5 assists, 5 boards, uh, and 1 steal. Montrez Harrell is looking like the old Clippers Montrez Harrell. He's averaging 18 points, 9 boards. He was extremely underutilized uh, with the Lakers last season. You could just tell from the way that from him coming off the bench and the way that they put him in their game plans and stuff. He just they they did not use him to the best of his ability at all. And Kyle Kuzma, too, has even been playing well, 15 points, 9.2 boards. People were trying were already ready to write him off as, you know, being a bust and uh, having nothing left with the Lakers. And now now he's looking pretty good for the Wizards. How good do you think the Wizards are now? We don't think. Now, not not necessarily in the same category as the Warriors, but do you think that they are going to keep this going and they could actually be a legit contender in the East, or is there too much star power? I think that they can be legit, and a couple reasons why. We've seen in the past, Paul, especially as of, as of recent, when LeBron James joined the Lakers, right? We all remember the rookie season of Kyle Kuzma, but once he LeBron joined the Lakers, Kyle Kuzma and his role kind of started to fade away, and we didn't know exactly what Kuzma was. He hasn't been as good as he is right now since that rookie year. And we talk about a lot of players who some players in a LeBron James basketball system excel and some tend to falter, right? Two names that come to mind specifically. uh, Look at Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. They both lead the team. Brandon Ingram's an all-star, and Lonzo Ball is now on the East Coast has the chance to be an all-star, and this was a guy that was being called one of the biggest busts in basketball and has become one of the top point guards, uh, well-rounded point guards in basketball in terms of developing a a very good offensive game. And defensively, he's a monster. I think his point guard vision is probably top three in the NBA right now, the way he sees the floor and the passes that he makes. So we've seen players evolve uh, once they leave LeBron and, and are able to play their own game and we're seeing that once again right we thought that when the Lakers last season added Montrez Harrell well how do you stop this team now and, and Montrez Harrell was a guy that was being benched in the playoffs not even getting minutes and now we're seeing him back to that same form and what's scary about this Wizards team and I'll tell you why I think they're legit is that combined with everything with what I've just said I think Harrell has been huge Kuzma has been surprisingly very good uh I'm a big fan of Roy Hachimura. He has not played yet. I think that's going to make a tremendous impact. But what scares me about this team is that their legit all-star in Bradley Beal, yes, he's averaging 23 points per game, five and a half rebounds and five and a half assists, but he's shooting the ball terribly. He's shooting 25% from the three-point line. So combined with the fact that they're already nine and three and they only have a, uh, they went on a two-game losing streak, but now I believe they're on a four-game win streak. They had a couple losses to Atlanta and, one other team, he starts shooting the ball well combined with everything that's happening. They're finding ways to win basketball games. I think w- when you look at them from top to bottom, they might not have the star caliber that Brooklyn has or that the Heat have or that Milwaukee have or even the 76ers, but they're very well-rounded from top to bottom. And they can run a deep lineup that, well, may not look that scary on paper. In terms of wins, they're 
they're what number one in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah. 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 Brave. Yeah. Right behind the Nets. I think the Nets have ten wins. They got nine wins, so they're tied. Um, but absolutely, they're they're tied uh, with somebody right behind the right behind the Nets. But um, absolutely, I think that it's, those were all tremendous points. And you know, we, bringing back Hachimura, I think, is going to be huge. Um, Bradley Beal's shooting has been an extremely underlooked part of the season too for the Wizards and how everyone else has stepped up. Dinwiddie was a huge addition too, you know, averaging 16 points a game. He's one of those glue guys too that does all the hustle work, you know, doesn't have to score 30 points a game to be effective too. You know, he grabs some boards, he gets some assists. He's a good ball handler, stretch guard, can stretch the floor at like 6'6". Six, six. He's all around, all around solid player and go along with Kuzma. Contavious Caldwell-Pope has been playing well. Um, I think the Wizards, they, they have a good team and they're looking better than they were last year. I mean, you had, you had Bradley Beal who, you know, averaged like almost 33 points a game last season. You had Russell Westbrook who averaged a triple double last season, but besides that, they had nothing else and they were straight. They were not deep at all. And now this year they traded Westbrook for a ton of depth and it's, it's playing out big time. And the East is, the East has a ton. I think the East is so loaded. Um, in my personal opinion, I think it's so loaded, but it, it's not, it's not loaded with star power. It's loaded with a bunch of good teams. It has, it's more, definitely more spread apart than the West is. The West has, you know, the powerhouses in the front that are amazing, but I think that the East is very spread apart where you have 13 legitimate teams that are all going to be making an all out push for those 10 spots and eight legitimate spots, but the 10 spots for the play in. And there's, there's legitimately 13 teams that in the Eastern Conference that can that can easily be in the, one of those playing spots. So it's going to be tough for everybody who's on the outside looking in. That's including the Wizards. That's including the Knicks. You know, all those teams, the Hawks right now, the Bucks even if they can't figure it out. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see how it ends up playing out with the uh, with the East and the Wizards. Wizards can end up figuring it out. I wouldn't be surprised. No, I wouldn't either. And you bring up a great point with, with looking at the NBA as a whole in the Eastern Conference specifically is that there's really four teams in the Eastern Conference that are, I, I would say, loaded with star power or have a, yeah. enough star power to, to make it a point of, uh, of claiming that they are a, a super team or a team to be reckoned with. And I think that's the Brooklyn Nets, obviously. I think that the Miami Heat are up there. I think that the Bucks, when healthy, they will, of course, be considered to be obviously coming off a championship. And Chicago is making them uh, a name for themselves as well. But you look at some of the other teams that are ranked in the Eastern Conference, Washington, Cleveland, managing to be as great as they've been this season yeah. with, with Darius Garland and the combination of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, which has been tremendous. Ricky Ruby off the bench has, has kind of evolved his game. He's been notably a, a defensive point guard, but is is dropping tremendous offensive numbers night in and night, a night out. You look at a Charlotte team. You look at a New York Knicks team. You look at a Toronto who's been a surprise. Yeah. I mean, this is – I'm not going to say that the Western that the Eastern Conference is on the same level uh, in terms of talent per team that the Eastern Conference is, but in terms of competitiveness, uh, we haven't seen an Eastern Conference this competitive in I, I don't even know how long. But I, I think that we're going to see this throughout the entirety of the season, that we're going to see these teams that aren't necessarily loaded with star power that are going to be surprisingly competitive and are going to be tough knockouts. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that it's the first time since the early 2010s that we've seen – uh, a deep Eastern conference where 
Um, and it's even different than the 2010s because it was run by the Miami Heat and LeBron and D-Wade, and you were expecting them to make it to the, to the finals. You don't really – there isn't – especially without Kyrie on the Nets, there isn't a single team in the East that you expect to come out of the East, which we haven't been able to say in a long time. Um, and honestly, in either conference, um, which I thought was so much fun about last year too when we got a Bucks first Suns NBA championship, it was great because it was a little bit of um, disparity. And mm-hmm. I think that it's the same thing this year, too. There's not one team in either. I think the Warriors are the top of the West. And I think um, as of right now, the Nets are probably the top of the East. Um, you know, could be up for debate, but the Nets or um, the, the, I mean, the Wizards, you could argue, you could argue, um, you could argue the Heat, even though they, they lost a few. Um, you can argue the Bulls, but there's not one team that that really stands out as they're going to easily make it to the East. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be very difficult, and you know, I'm definitely really interested to see that. Me as well, Paul. Myself as well. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what we have this year. I, I'm really excited from what I've seen so far, not only in my favorite team, the NBA, the Miami Heat, but just as the NBA as a whole. We've seen a lot of exciting competition, and for the first time in a while, like you said, I don't really know if there's necessarily – I mean, we talked about the Warriors earlier, but I don't necessarily think there's a favorite right now exactly. in terms of the Eastern Conference or, or or maybe even the Western Conference as well. You know, we'll see the impact of Clay Thompson. We'll see the impact of James Wiseman when they get back. I, I mean, we could only we could only think and imagine based off of where those two left off their game, especially Clay. But in terms of predictions for finals, I, I don't know where. I, I don't know where we are to look based on what we've seen so far, based on the competitiveness by each and every team in the NBA so far. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see how the uh, league plays out, especially within the couple, next couple of weeks. It's going to be completely different when we're talking about this a few, even a few weeks down the line come Christmas time or so. So it's going to be it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. So last question before we wrap things up for this episode. The, rule, the new rule change in the NBA has been taking the league by storm. Obviously, they're not calling in the jump fouls, uh, you know, that James Harden, Damian Lillard, all of them, Trey Young have made popular. Um, and everybody has mixed opinions on it. A lot of people love it because it's a better form of basketball. A lot of people don't like it because, you know, you're taken away from a lot of the point scoring and kind of the, the type of game that has made a lot of these guys popular. Um, we have made a lot of these guys, uh, you know, fudge their numbers and kind of, and, you know, excel into the 20 plus points per game level, but it's, you know, they're going to have to figure out other ways. Are you a fan of the new rule change or do you think that it's a little bit, uh, overdrawn? I, I love it personally. Yeah. I love it. I mean, we were in a league just, just last year, uh, especially with this, with this rule, Specifically, the amount of people that you would hear night in and night out, Paul, called this game of basketball the way it was being played soft was because of the lack of defense in which you could play on a player without a referee calling a foul. This is why they implemented this rule to essentially avoid that. And we've seen the hits of players, especially James Harden and Trey Young. Trey Young, uh, more specifically, because Trey Young is, is still, while he's a great player, younger. I think needs to develop that aspect of his game where that's not necessarily so heavily dependent. I mean, I'm looking at this game right now. I'm looking at the stat sheet for this Atlanta game. I know it's live right now in Orlando uh, against Orlando. Paul Trey Young has attempted one free throw tonight. I mean, that's that's yeah. crazy to me. And, and uh-huh. just a week ago, I, I was watching a Brooklyn game, 
And James Harden, the same thing, and attempted one free throw in a basketball game, which is mind-boggling because these are guys that get to the line six, seven times a game, and you'll see like 10-plus points out of each one of these guys just in free throws, let alone their three-point game, let alone their overall field goal game. You'll see 10 points just from the free throw line. So like you talked about fudging their numbers, I don't want I don't want to say to that degree because the way that they have played knowing that they'll get these fouls called is smart. It's intelligent. Yeah. It's become an aspect of your game. So it takes hits to these individual players. But I'm a person who over the years who has seen and hated these calls because you say to yourself watching the game, you know as a fan, you know exactly what those players are going to do. You know they're looking, they're going to get the calls. They are the stars in the NBA. You know, as a referee, you know, as a viewer, they're purposely leaning in because they know they're getting the line because these are guys that shoot 90 plus percent from the free throw line. It's free points. It's free points for these guys. So to implement this rule, I think will not only allow players to better their game defensively and for viewers like us to watch a better defensive product out on the court, but will also allow for players to play in a way in in which we want to see where, yes, we appreciate the numbers that players put at the free throw line to go through an entire season. And we've seen players average 95% from the free throw line, which is crazy because these aren't players that are only taking, you know, 50 free throws in the entire year. These are players that get in the line 10 plus times a night and they're averaging those kinds of numbers. So you have to appreciate the consistency. But at the same point in time, to be so heavily reliant on that, it gets it gets annoying and, and difficult to watch. It it ruins the entertainment, especially when we see these calls late in games and they affect the outcomes of games. It becomes very difficult to watch as a fan. But now having this new rule, personally, Paul, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, exactly. You want somebody to win the game from the field and not from the free throw line, too. That's that's one of the keys. And I completely agree, too. It's it's a better form of basketball. Um, because a lot of these foul calls are not actually fouls that they've been calling for years. You know, the analytics have already taken over the NBA as it is, and we see so much three-point shooting as it is. Um, So taking this away kind of just eliminates uh, something, that a little aspect that has become very tedious to real NBA fans um, and to real basketball fans in general, because a lot of this stuff, you know, it's – you know, and it, just like you were saying too, you made a great point. Was you can't blame these players for taking advantage of it at all because they've become masters at doing it. You know, James Harden mm-hmm. is a ninety-plus percent free throw shooter. Same with Trey Young. So why not try to get to the line as much as you can to get extra points? You know, it's to help your team win. You get more points for yourself. All that kind of stuff. But you know, these are pro players. They got to. I definitely adapt to it and you want the games to be won from the field and not from the free throw line, Uh, especially, especially as in a in a defensive mindset. So I think that it's tremendous. You know, they, they're still calling a foul if it's actually a foul, but these little like, you know, jumps and then they jump into you and they initiate all the contact and stuff we could do without it. I think that it's, it was a tremendous idea. Yeah, it's an it's an overall improvement upon the game, you know, not only leaning into the foul, but we've seen in games, uh, you know, two players against specifically James Harden and, and Trey Young, we, we'd we see them uh, dribble up the court knowing they have the defender behind them and, and kind of lean back into a foul and shoot it and shoot it. Oh, yeah. Point oh, yeah. And get, uh, get three attempts in the free throw line. And that and that was again, you appreciate that uh, the creativity in terms of they know they're going to get the foul. 
They're a, they're a master at their craft. They know they're going to get to the line. They're high efficiency players at the free throw line. But it's a, it's annoying to see that night in and night out, especially multiple times a night. Like this isn't something that we see Paul happen once or twice from these players once a night. You'll see them be heavily dependent upon that, especially if the shooting from the field is not going their way. You see them become even more heavily dependent upon that because everybody knows that's their best chance if they're having a slow shooting night to get points and fill the stat sheet. So to see that being taken out of the game while it hurts those players, I think overall puts a better product out on the court. Absolutely. And it's the real game of basketball too. You know, it's not, um, and it's frustrating for a defense too, you know, to have to, to have to put up with that. And, you know, you never know when you'll be have when you be able to jump and get away with it too. Getting, you know, getting yeah. teams into foul trouble. It's, exactly. it's when, it, when it's not really a, not really a foul, you know? Yeah, it's it's literally the worst. I think that it was a tremendous move, and I applaud the NBA for that. Hopefully, they they continue to touch up the annoying things around the league over the next several years. But that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the Review and Preview Network to watch another episode of the 3 and D, and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the th- the show on Twitter at the 3 and D, Kyle. Thanks for coming on the show. Let the audience know where they can find you. So on Instagram at Kyle Russo six twelve, you can follow me. I'm not really a big Twitter guy. Obviously, on Facebook as well through the Review and Preview Network, you can look me up if you like what you've heard. Obviously, make sure to follow me. And then, obviously, as Paul alluded to as well, on Review and Preview, which is the the main show of the network, every Tuesday night from seven to nine p.m. We talk all things sports, mainly focusing on the. The core four of sports, that means to me at least, uh, baseball, football, basketball, and hockey. A little bit of, a little bit of hockey. But uh, yeah. obviously primarily baseball is over. Paul, we got, Paul has us covered on the Review and Preview Network with basketball, whether that's college and NBA. So right now, Review and Preview specifically honing in on obviously the NFL season and touching upon the NHL as well. But that's where you can find me at. Paul, again, thank you for having me, man. Had a blast these last uh, 20, 30 minutes or so. Awesome, Kyle. At any time. Appreciate you coming on. Always of good. Course. Always a good time talking it up. Hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and stay tuned for more updates and brand new episodes coming every Monday at the new time, 830 p.m. Have a great night, everyone.